0: Arthur Harold Parker High School, also known as A.H. Parker High School, or just Parker, was the first public high school for black people in the city of Birmingham. Their colors are purple and white, and their mascot is the Thundering Herd. The school is named after its first principal, Dr. Arthur Harold Parker, a black man whose statue sits right outside the front of the school. There are so many pictures of Dr. Parker in Aunt Ruth's house that I grew up thinking he was a member of our family. She also has a framed article about Parker High in her living room from a 1950 edition of Ebony Magazine, and the headline is, The World's Largest Negro High School, because at that time, Parker had over 3,000 students enrolled. Growing up in Birmingham, I learned from conversations I overheard adults having that most of the white families that used to live in the city and send their kids to city schools had moved out to the suburbs and started their own school systems. Mr. Dunbar's class was the first time I actually had someone put the numbers in front of me, though. Our class learned that between 1960 and 1970, Birmingham's population dropped for the first time in the city's history, going from around 340,000 citizens to about 300,000 even. More than 75% of that drop was from white people leaving the city, and by 1980, the majority of the city population was black. This My Black Book Journal. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a new season of My Black Book Journal. I am excited about the new season that we're able to kick off. But Joining me today, I have a longtime friend of mine and a first-time author, so y'all shout out for my guy, David Dada. What's up, David? How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. Hey, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast, y'all, and I, I want to say that we're in person right now, so we're doing a little in-person recording, and it's good to just I want to highlight my brother's book. Got an opportunity to read it. It just dropped not too long ago. You all will enjoy it. So, look, he'll tell you at the end of the podcast exactly where to go, how to pick it up and how to order it. But you don't want to miss this new book by David. David, I want to start off by just giving you an opportunity to introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell us anything we need to know.
1: Well, uh, thanks again for having me. Uh, my name is David Dada. I'm from Birmingham, born and raised um, Nigerian-American. My uh, dad came to the U.S. from Nigeria in the 1980s and met my mom here. Uh, again, I've been yeah, born and raised in Birmingham. My husband to my wife, Katrina, my father to my two kids, uh, David the third and Davis Ann. I also uh, serve as the Director of Government Relations at UAB, and uh, I'm first-time author of uh, Many Happy Returns.
0: Yo, so if, as you all can see, uh, Mr. David Dada, get all professional. He's going into his day job on us. He's uh, doing a lot, man, but he's in. He's making an impact in the city that we love and we call home. And um, So, David, tell us about Many Happy Returns, man. I know we've had a lot of long conversations. I remember when you told me you wanted to write a book, man, and I know it's been a long process for you. And you're finally here. You published your book. It's out there in the world. So tell us about the journey and tell us kind of how you feel now that you have your book out there for people to read and engage with.
1: It feels good. It feels good, man. Like you know, you've been here for the whole process. Yeah. Like as I've been talking to you, I remember I journal. So April twelfth, twenty twenty, was the first day I wrote down the name, like the title of the book. I was okay. I think I'm gonna think I'm gonna write. So yeah, that was April twenty twenty. I'll say summer twenty twenty one, spring summer twenty twenty one is when I seriously started being like, okay, I'm gonna write an hour a day. Like, I'm really going to yeah. put, like, pen to paper an hour a day. I'm going to do it. Found an the editor. Then, you know, submitted that and just got through that whole process. So so it was it was great. It was challenging. It was one of the most challenging things I've done, which was, it was a good, though. Good challenge. Like, you know, I got my, uh, I remember getting my master's. And, like, I, I've always liked school. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But, like, this was, like, a different kind of challenge. So that's been cool. Like, um, and I mean challenging in, like, every form of the word. Like, there were times when I was like, bro, I don't know. I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna like, I uh, yeah, I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to finish this, you know. And yeah. then like, so just doing that, like getting the first uh getting the first draft done, sending it to the editor, getting it back, that was humbling, like for real. Like, because it was, she was telling me, like, your plot is strong, I like these things, but it was a lot. Well, she was just, you know, marking it up and it was, it was good, but it was it was challenging. Like there was 10 chapters, and there were four of the chapters where she was like weekending. And I remember that was like, man, like that hit hard, but it was like, I, I like slept on it, woke up, emailed her, like, you know, asked some questions just for more clarity so I can understand. And she was like, I like where you're going, but you need to end your chapters in a way that make people instantly want to keep reading into the next chapter. Mm-hmm. So even hearing that, cause you know, we both love to read. That's mm-hmm. why I was excited about being on your podcast. Like yeah. I love reading books. So when she said that about like being specific about how you end your chapters, it made me be even more keen on how I noticed what other authors were doing when I was reading. And I was like, she's right. You know, you gotta like, you gotta be intentional about that. So like, um, so that was fun. That was fun. Like uh, that process of like just getting better day by
0: day. Hmm. And do you feel like, so you said April, 2020 yeah. to August, 2022. Yeah. A little over two years from the time when you wrote the name to the time where you publish, you can go out there, order the book, Tell us a little bit, tell us a little bit about that growth process. Cause a lot of times people start and like you said, it becomes really challenging finding time to write. You know, you have a family and you have a job. And you know, tell us a little bit about what kept you going throughout that process before we jump into the book. I think part of what kept me going
1: was just my genuine desire to get the story out there. Like just that genuine excitement, right? You know what I mean? Because it wasn't like you said, having a family definitely I didn't want to make it like something that took time away from my family. But I also wanted to make sure I was like, I wanted to finish it. Like I wanted to make sure I was like going to finish on what I started. So, um, so you just finding time that's not taken away from the family. Like usually it's around like a lunchtime or something or early in the morning kind of thing. So, um, and then, yeah, just like pushing through. Cause it, it, like I said, when I say that it was, it was challenging, it was good, but it was really like, it wasn't like, oh, like, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. It was like, man, okay, let me just get through today. That's something my editor told me. She was like, just write. She was like, your first draft doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be written. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't edit a blank page. So just remember, like, okay, just, like, removing the pressure of thinking it has to be perfect. Like, just write, you know. And then, like, you're, it, it's actually freeing to know it's not going to be perfect for the first time. But you can get it and make it strong. And I remember reading, um, I drew a lot of inspiration from, like, other authors that I like. Like, uh, Christopher Paul Curtis mm-hmm. wrote, uh, Watson's Go to Birmingham, Bud Not Buddy, you know, a number of things. And I was reading the interview he did because I reread But and I Buddy in the height of the pandemic because I used to like that book a lot when I was like growing up. So I read it and just really enjoyed it. And there was at the end of it, there was an interview with him and they asked him like how he felt about writer's block. And he was like, I don't really believe in writer's block. He was like, it's kind of one of those things like the story either is coming to me. He's like, if it's not, then OK, I'll step back for a second. You know, and I'll come back when it is. He was like, but just, you know, just putting the pen down the paper and just going with it. Like, you know, follow, trust the story. So uh, so that was that was the process.
0: So that's what's up, man. Thank you for sharing that process with us. I know I know starting the writing process for so many people can be really scary. Yeah. But, you know, removing some of the fear out of that and just saying, you know, you can't edit a blank page, I think is a, is, is a really good word. So tell us a little bit about Many Happy Returns, man. I really enjoyed reading the book. I really connected with the main character Tunde in the book as well. Um, and so, tell us a little bit about that inspiration, what the book is based off of, and yeah, just share with our listeners kind of some of what, why you wanted to get this uh, story out into the world so bad. Yeah, so it's a
1: coming of age story. The uh, main character Louis Oluwale Babatunde goes by Tunde. Mm-hmm. Like um, he's Nigerian American, of course. That was inspired by uh, by my upbringing because I just. The older i've gotten man the more like grateful i've become for like my parents and everything they did for me like as we were uh just growing up like being from birmingham my mom's from uh from here born and raised like having that side of the family then having my dad him making sure that even though like i've never been to nigeria we went to like regular nigerian functions like having just a lot of that culture around and like i have just grown more and more appreciative as of it as i've gotten older and um, I know the feeling I get when I read books and I'm able to relate to the characters like I love that feeling that's one of the things that like I love about like fiction like I love books in general but fiction when you can like relate to a character I've always loved that so like the um, some of my favorite authors like Walter Dean Myers is one like I loved his characters like all the time growing up but then also like uh, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie I mm-hmm. mean right so like and I, I love how like I can read her books and it feels like familiar too like that, like Nigerian, those Nigerian characters. So I was like, I would love to like create like a blend Hmm. of that, like that's like, you know, similar to my experience, but not exactly like it. Cause I intentionally wanted it to be fiction. It wasn't gonna be like a memoir. Like, so I even like, even to the point of like giving the main character a little sister, Hmm. like I don't have any sisters. I have like, you know, two brothers. So I wanted to make sure like it was fiction, but it was inspired by like my upbringing. And again, coming of age in the sense of like, got a young man with potential, you know, turns 18. As soon as you like open the book, he's turning 18. But um, but he's having to learn how to pivot when like life's best laid plans aren't going the way he thought they were. You know what I mean? And I think that's like a you know a universal story. Thought that it would be relatable, and uh, it was something I could relate to. So I and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as I was like cre- creating this like the world. You know, that's one of the fun parts. Like there's challenging parts of writing, but there's a lot of fun too, like the world building and all that kind of stuff. So uh, so that was fun. So just wanted to create like a narrative that uh that people could identify with whether you're Nigerian-American, whether you're African-American, whether you're, whatever, any context, I want people to be able to identify with that story, that coming of age, kind of like finding
0: your way. Yeah. And I can really identify with it. I think I found myself, as I was reading it, reading through it, I found myself at different points in the story identifying with different characters. Mm-hmm. And I, I I think we should, I'd love to have more of a conversation about that in a moment. But yeah, tell us a little bit about, you know, Tunde, coming of age, opens up with his 18th birthday, kind of, what journey are you looking to take the reader on as they go through the book?
1: Yeah. So it's really kind of, I remember when I was 18, similar, like I had just turned 18, my birthday's in January, and I got highlighted by the, the local newspaper as the student athlete of the week. And, you know, because I played basketball, I was a co-captain of the team. And I remember they asked me, I asked a number of questions, because it was like a profile, they asked a number of questions. One of them was like, what do you want to do? Like, professionally. Like, when you, you know what I'm saying? When you grow up, I guess you would say. So, I didn't know the answer to that question, honestly. Like, I didn't know. Because, I mean, I, I was good at school. I enjoyed school. But I didn't really know what I wanted to do, like, professionally. And um my older brother is one year older than me. And he's known he wanted to be an engineer since we were seven and eight years old. Like, he's a... And he is. He's an engineer now, working on his uh, PhD in engineering. Like, so, um I, look, I always looked up to him. And I knew that that answer would impress older people. So, I said, I want to be an engineer. <laughs> I'm really, like, I said, I, like, I still... My, my mom... Still has the, the newspaper clipping. My grandma just passed away a couple years ago. She still had it. She showed it to me her scrapbook. And I'm like, man, like, I just, like, like I said, I know they were proud of me, but I'm like, I'm not an engineer, so why do we still have that? You know? I'm like, <laughs> so, um, but I remember that feeling, though. Like, I don't know, you know what I mean? But I know this answer is respectable. Hmm. You know what I mean? And not even like nobody even pressured me in that way. Like, my parents, like, didn't force me down that path. Hmm. But I just kind of like in this space of like not knowing and being like, well, this will sound good, you know? So I said that. But then I'm like, well, what do I want to do? You know, and I really didn't know. So it was like, man, I would love to. I wanted to put the book out there because I wanted people for one to know, like it's okay if you don't know. You know what I mean? And then like, hey, here's somebody else that's on that journey. Maybe there's some things you could pull from that, like you know, as you're kind of finding out who you are. Like, so that's um. So yeah, that was one of the, honestly the main things. Like I still have again a newspaper clipping, all of that stuff. Like, and I vividly remember that. Like I remember like being like, this is cool. But I was like,
0: when they asked me, that, I was like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I'm gonna just say this, like. So I love I love you bring that up in, in the book, especially for Day because it all comes about for him when he's challenged with this uh, capstone project where he has to now do this to interviews. Right. And so he's trying to make his mind up initially. What is what is the capstone project going to be about? And then he settles in on he wants to better understand the history of his grandmothers. Right. So tell us a little bit about about Day's journey in And why you thought the best way of showing his progression was through this capstone project. Yeah. So
1: I remember taking a capstone course in college Mm. and it's kind of like, you know, capstone. The idea of a capstone is like it's bringing together everything you've learned over time. I thought that was a great concept. Like in college, I really did. I wish I would have had something like that earlier that kind of gives you a chance to like reflect Mm -hmm. even because you don't always have to be. I think reflection, like regular reflection, is important—not just at the end of something, but like taking time, even in the middle of things, to like reflect, see where am I. And I remember, um, I thought that would be a cool way to, to like draw people in to like the narrative because you bring in like the Nigerian American element. That's just who he is. Like I think that's part of like again another thing I love about books—you can like identify with characters. Like I feel like it's a way to like empathize. Like as I've read like different perspectives from different like writers from different cultures. Like it's helped me learn to empathize because you almost like they create a world where you're sitting in it. Like so, I love that about books. And I remember like, okay, this will be a way to attach him like to other readers, and they can like the the, uh, the Capstone Project to be like, okay, going you go on the journey with him. Like he's got this assignment, and he's like, okay. How am I going to do this? Like you know these um these oral history interviews, and like wh- who am I going to like select? And I thought of um. I thought that would be interesting. It was compelling to me because I love research too. So I did a lot of research as I was preparing for the book, but I also, it's still going to be fiction, right? So I was like making sure like it was a cool way to weave those worlds together.
0: All right. So with that, with that in mind, you spoke about how characters can move people. And one of the people that I could identify with in the book was Mr. Dunbar. Um, Day's teacher. And it's actually interesting as I was reading the book um, and going through it, there was actually a student that was part of our program last year that I had connected with, but I was reading it over the summertime and hadn't seen the, seen the students since uh, school I had gotten out. So I was really inspired just by the evolution of their relationship throughout the book and decided, you know, I'm, I'm put the book down really quickly and, and reach out to this student, give them a call and just check in on how they're doing. And and actually talking to that student, getting an opportunity to hear kind of what was going on in their life that recently graduated and and even for them to share the impact that they felt I made on their life. And I didn't even know about was just felt like just kind of this timing coming together was like, I'm really identifying with what Tunde, what um, Mr. Dunbar is experiencing in my own life. And I could identify with that, you know. And so it was really moving in that way uh, to think about the impact that people can have on our lives. Tell us about maybe somebody that's impacted your life that you may have drawn inspiration from, whether it be a teacher in high school or college or someone else.
1: Yeah. So I'm really glad to hear that, like um, that you had that experience and you were able to relate in that way. I know one of the reasons one of the inspirations behind the Mr. Dunbar character Mm -hmm. was like teachers, man, and just individual people in general. Somebody's always watching you like always, because, like I said, part of that journey being like 18 and not knowing what I wanted to do yet. I was always observing like people around me, like and like how they operated, and, like kind of like their their spirit, their temperament, you know what I mean, like how how older men. Like I always was aware of my teachers, like the, the the male teachers I had, like if they were married, if they had families and stuff, and I noticed that. But okay, that's cool. Like how does he kind of move in that space as like a husband and like a father or like any of my coaches? Like I'd be just you know you just notice because you're around these these men. So like I um, and women too, and women too. So like with Mr. Dunbar the um i've had multiple like great teachers i think like um miss miss blair if I, i'll pick one i remember miss uh, ada blair at ramsey high school she was one of the first teachers that really like encouraged me as like a writer she was like me a really good writer you know i didn't really know what to do with that at that time like i knew i felt good that she said that like we submitted you know paperwork like uh assignments and stuff and she was like i really like your writing david you know and i was like man okay like i really appreciate that you know like you didn't have to say that like i think when you're young man like there's there's nothing like a a, a word in what due season. I you know what they say, yeah. like you know, just like uh, and like especially when you can encourage somebody, and she did that for me, man. Like, and a lot of teachers did, but she just comes to mind right now because speaking from the context of like writing, and um, that really encouraged me. So I thought that I thought that relationship would be a cool one to like kind of explore, and you get to learn a little bit more about Mister Dunbar and two is learning more about himself, and um, and then the name Dunbar was inspired by um. It's interesting. So by uh, Paul Lawrence Dunbar, African-American poet, like I remember reading a book about uh, Dunbar High School in D.C. It's like the first African-American high school in the country. So I uh, love that book. It's called First Class. It's by Allison Stewart. Highly recommended. So um, that book was great. So there was Paul Lawrence Dunbar. That's where the name came from. And then also Mr. Aaron Lamar. Aaron Lamar was the first. He was the first black like like administration executive at UAB, like in a, like a, an, yeah, an administration level, like a VP, like at UAB, Dr. Aaron Lamar. But before he was in higher ed, he was a, a teacher in high school. He taught at Carver High School. And I read a book that like, uh, it was like an anthology almost, like alums of Carver High School throughout the years wrote, just talking about their experiences growing up in North Birmingham and just going to Carver. And like so many of them had great things to say about Mr. Lamar and like how he um, taught them to like love reading and to love research and I was like, man, that'd be really, really cool to, like, honor him. So some of the, like, Mr. Dunbar in the book is married and he has three daughters. Aaron Lamar had three daughters. You know what I mean? So, like, um, and I just, you know, I thought that would be a cool way to, like, kind of pay homage in a way to
0: uh, to his memory. That's awesome, man. And that's what's up. Because what I saw in the book, and you mentioned that it's not a memoir, you, Um, and you were doing this world building. But a lot of uh, several experiences that Toonday has or experiences you've had, right? Yeah. Um, and so Tunee goes to Ramsey High School. Yeah. <laughs> you just mentioned Ramsey High School, um, but you also share a really a really cool story about um, about the relationship that you had when you were in school between Ramsey High School and Parker High School. Yeah, yeah. And your aunt, your aunt Ruth, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I really enjoy just aunt ruth and just reading about her what she offered to the story can is is she built off of or she based off of someone that's like in your life or was truly fictional character was it a kind of a culmination of a bunch of people like mr dunbar tell us a little bit more about aunt ruth yeah so she is
1: inspired by my aunt my aunt bunny Mm. uh bunny ruth stitz so ruth was her middle name we called her aunt bunny but um man she was just uh she passed away in 2018, but she was just a huge part of my life, like, growing up, man. Like, I, I loved my Aunt Bunny, bro. Like, and she loved me, you know what I'm saying? Like, and she, I remember, like, growing up, we were just always close because her and my mom were real close. Like, um, and I remember, like, Day on the covers wearing the Michigan hat. That's because my Aunt Bunny went to Michigan. Like, and I remember, like, she's from Birmingham, born and raised, went to Parker High School, graduated from Parker, went to University of Miami, studied mathematics, got a master's at the University of Michigan. Like, and there was a, a computer program with GE. Like, you know what I mean? So just super successful. But I just knew it because we both love basketball and we both love reading. So we connected in that way. And um, and she was just a big part of my life, bro. So it's like almost like the the writing process was, like, therapeutic in a way. Because I'm, like, remembering her. I'm, like, man, I think she would have really enjoyed this. Like, um. so I was, yeah, like, that was really something, like, an inspiration. Like, so, yeah. So that, like, a lot of the stuff about Aunt Ruth, like, is taken directly from my aunt Bunny. Like uh, so, even the dedication says, "For my aunt Bunny Ruth Stitt, You know what I mean? So, uh, so yeah.
0: Yeah, that's. I, I I felt like she offered so much wisdom. Um, as we were, as she was helping Tune Day throughout the journey, and I think I think as you all, when you grab this book, when you read it, I think I think you'll really be able to identify with the aunt Ruth in our lives, um, because just a just a guide along the journey of life almost like a a mentor all of so who's who's helping you to navigate the different different seasons of life sharing wisdom and you know you just brought up a lot of history in the question that I asked before you know about about Mr. Dunbar and about Dunbar High School in DC and even AH Parker High School locally in Birmingham where we are um, you you did that a lot in the book you integrated a lot of history into the storytelling was there a reason why you did that i mean you did it in a almost like you just answered the question in a very beautiful way it was just woven in where it made so much sense to the story but can you tell us a little bit about your love for history
1: yeah i think man that's one of those things where you can't separate yourself from yourself right you know what i'm <laughs> yeah. saying like i can't because it was and i appreciate the kind words like i mean tremendously bro like i told you just the fact that you took the time to read it means like a lot to me because mm-hmm. i mean that's the part like you know as you're going through that process of like writing and like you said it's not easy you're like you know it's a long road but you just stay dedicated but once it's out there that's honestly like my favorite part like what I'm most looking forward to Hmm. like you know people buying it yes absolutely right but more so like them reading and just hearing their perspective Hmm. like man how did it connect to you like what was your thoughts and like even like hearing their perspectives and like experiences they've had so like uh, so yeah the history piece that's just who I am I guess like I didn't even it wasn't intentional but as I'm like writing like I think because again I love fiction I love books in general love fiction love nonfiction I feel like um, there's a quote from uh, Richard Wright, the author of uh, Black Boy and Native Son, he was like, I found that sincere art and honest science were not far apart, that like, but both could enrich the other, huh. you know what I mean, so like, um, so I feel like, again, there's, so again, c- world building and creating stuff, like, I love that, but in, by nature, I'm going to like, connect it to something that I've read about, yeah. you know what I mean, like, um, so that's just, I think, just my love for history in general. Like, you know, my Aunt Bunny was, like, our family historian. Like, she would tell us about, like, everybody. Like, when we we're going to visit family uh, over the summer or taking any kind of trip, she'd be like, oh, yeah, this is such and such, and we're connected to them in this way. And her mom used to do this, and her dad used to do this. And it was just beautiful, man. Like, so I grew up, like, really appreciating that. So, um, so again, I was thinking about, like, okay, I'm going to make sure, like, this is something that, as I'm taking people on this journey, okay, well, we'll learn about some things. You know what I mean? So I thought that would be cool.
0: That's what's up. Uh, it was it was really a journey. And I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, this is how people do authors once they drop a book. <laughs> like, they're always looking forward to the next book, to the sequel. So I won't put any pressure on you. But, you know, you know, we are waiting after people listen to this and read the book. We're going to be waiting for a part two or or something else from from you. So tell tell the people where they can find the book um, and where they can connect with you. So the book is available now on Amazon. Okay. So uh, many happy
1: returns by David L. Dada. It's also available on my website, uh, david.bhm.com. So David D A V I D D A D A B H M.com. So uh, you can also view the trailer on my website. That'll give you like it's like a minute and thirty seconds. Gives you an overview of what the book is about. So uh, so yeah, available on Amazon. Available on my website, david.bhm.com. Soon to be available. Um, other bookstores and libraries I'm working on that stuff
0: now, okay. but, uh, yeah. but right now it's
1: available on Amazon.
0: That's awesome. All right. Well, you all know where you can go to connect with David. You got a social media you want them to connect with you on?
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, David Dada underscore BHM that's on Instagram. Um, so David Dada underscore BHM. Then also David Dada on Facebook you can find my author page and my website also has a link to all my other, um. On my social channels, you can find it through my website, david.ibhm.com.
0: There you go. So y'all go to david.ibhm.com, connect with my guy, David, order the book. You will not be disappointed. Dave, before we get you up out of here, we do something on my black book journal called Reading Brings Me Joy. You've mentioned a lot of authors, a lot of works that they put out, but share share a, an author or a book that you've read recently that's brought you joy. Man. Whew.
1: Okay. It's a great question. <laughs> Great question. This brought me joy. I want to answer it honestly. Um, I binge books like people do
0: Netflix. So, is, yeah, like,
1: uh, so you said recently. Recently. Okay. I read, oh, uh,
0: Or if you got something, you know,
1: that was a year or two ago, give it to it's us. It's cool. Like, uh, So I read Fallen Angels by uh, Walter Dean Myers. It's about, like, Vietnam. It's super good. Like, he spent time in, like, the Army. He didn't go to Vietnam, but he spent time in the Army for a while. Like, his story just, like, is really inspiring to me. It was really, really good, man. Like I think, because again, that's the beauty of like fiction. Like I've heard stuff about Vietnam. I've read history books about it, but like reading that book, it's like, and I saw some of the reviews, and there were people who like had fought in Vietnam. But, like man, he tells it just like it was over there. Wow, you know what I mean? So it was cool, like to kind of read that perspective. So uh, yeah, Fallen Angels by Walter Dean Myers. I'm a fan of all his work, really, but that one I just read.
0: It was uh, it was great. Hmm. Well, thank you for sharing, David. Again, it's a pleasure to have you on my Black Book Journal. You all. Go to david.bhm.com, purchase the book. You will not be disappointed. Until next time, we out.